Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Hello, hello. How you doing? Hey, it's all right. I like when you guys talk. I like when you mingle. I like when you meet people. I like when you say hello. Hey, thank you for being here. Um, if you're new or you don't know me, my name is Ryan. Um, I have the privilege of teaching today. Uh, if you all would join me, we are going to take an offering together. And so uh, this is an opportunity for us to give back a portion of what God has given us. Um, if you would pray with me for that, to get our minds in the right place, that would be great. Lord, thank you for the work that you have done. For so many of us in this room who've had our lives transformed by you, where we were one way before and then we came in contact with you and we came out another way, walking in light, walking in hope, walking in forgiveness, walking in uh, just blessing and favor. And so God, we just pray that you would bring us further into that place, that we would step into that reality, that we would know that you're the provider of everything that we've ever been given, and that we would share that back with you, because you're our good Father. We pray that you would use it for your kingdom and win people for Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, we're going we're gonna to jump in today. Hey, how many of you, um, you have had that friend, you have a good friend in your life that will tell you when you have parsley or whatever in your teeth? Something in your teeth. Like, I'm one of those people, whatever, it, it seems to be kind of an icebreaker. Even people that I'm not friends with or don't know very well, I'm coming to other tables like, hey, you got some, you got some stuff in your teeth. Because... How angry do you get when you, like, you come home from somewhere and you see something in your teeth and nobody told you, and you're like, oh my gosh, how could you do this to me? Jesus tells you when there's something in your teeth. He tells you when there's something in your teeth. Uh, he will let you know when there's something not right, when there's something um, a little gross going on. So today what we're going to talk about uh, is a scary prayer, a scary prayer. There are certain prayers that are weak, wimpy, little baby prayers that don't really matter if they get answered. You know, God, help me to have a, a, um, a parking space when I pull into Sam's Club. Uh, like, but then there are some scary prayers that can change, they can change your life. They can kind of ruin your life in certain ways. They can, we've had our lives ruined. I prayed certain prayers and God called us to tithe years and years ago. That has ruined so many things. We give every, every week, every month, added up together, a Mercedes payment. It's a Mercedes payment. I could have a Mercedes. But I prayed and God told us to tithe, to give a portion of our money back. Scary prayers are things that cause you to look deeper at yourself uh, uncomfortably. Um, they can challenge you to go somewhere that 
scares you to death. The scariest prayers that I know, three of them that are two words each. The first one is search me, search me. The second one is break me. When you get to that place of wanting to be broken by God, when you recognize that the you that you've been living all this time is uh, in need of shattering so that it can be put back together in a better way. Search me is dangerous. Break me is dangerous. The third one is send me. Well, that one's scary. Send me. Where's God going to send you? If you start being open to that about reaching people for Christ somewhere else in the world, about doing some kind of ministry somewhere, where's it going to be? What if you pray that and he says, Zimbabwe? What if you pray that and he says, Hawaii? You know, Hawaii is in need of missionaries. They are. Here's what we're going to look at today. Psalm chapter 139. This is King David, who is in a place where he wants to be sure that he's above reproach. The Bible talks about this idea of being above reproach. It's when you have an enemy come against you, and they say certain things about you. They, they, they try to get other people against you. They are saying that you have done this and this and this that's wrong. To be above reproach is to mean that you are so, you are so clean, you have an alibi of righteousness. You have people that have been around you seeing you be good and not do these things, and suddenly you are above reproach. They can't come after you because they, they try to bring something and every, everyone else said, no, that's not him. No, he didn't say that. No, he doesn't act like that. No, he didn't. Do, you're above reproach. He's trying to become above reproach because enemies keep showing up. Enemies keep showing up and they're not just saying things about him. They're attacking. They're trying to kill him. And so even though there's no evidence of wrongdoing that can be found, people keep showing up to take David out. David prays this prayer, Psalm 139. It's the whole chapter. He says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You've searched me. We're going to pray today, search me, oh God. He says, you've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You, deserve, you discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Hemmed in means like kind of sewn into the pocket. Like so that, just saying that that's what God is doing for him. Him recognizing it. He says in verse 6, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go from your spirit? Anywhere that I go, it doesn't matter if it's a mountaintop. It doesn't matter if it's hiding in a cave. Where can I go from your spirit? Because you whisper to me, you keep whispering to me. Verse 8, if I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, 
you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day, for darkness is as light to you. You created my inmost being. So, this is you too. That God created your inmost being. That if you think you're an accident, if you think that you're not worthy, if you think that God doesn't make garbage. He doesn't make garbage and it says that he knit you together. That he created your inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I want you to lock that sentence in your mind. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Who are you? If you're feeling like I'm an idiot, I want you to call it up. No, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God doesn't make idiots. It says, your works are wonderful and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, who, those who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Verse 23, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He said, search me, God, know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. King David has anxiety. And whatever his anxiety is, he's saying, I want you to search me because anybody who struggles with anxiety, all of us struggle with anxiety at different times, but some of us have it a lot. And I can imagine that David is having it a lot when he is asking God specifically that you would know my anxious thoughts. He's wanting God to get in on whatever that looping thing is. Any of you get into a loop, looping thoughts, where you just can't get rid of that one, that I should have done this, or, oh, why did I say that? You, it, why did I say that? You, it, why did I say, like, it just keeps coming back. And sometimes you have a hard time putting words around it, even if you wanted to pray, you didn't know what to pray. David says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Whatever they, whatever they are, whatever they mean, that you would know them. Verse 24, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, God, and know my heart. 
Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way of everlasting. Basically, David's saying, God, I want you to investigate my life. I want you to investigate my life. I want you to find out everything about me, cross-examine and test me, get a clear picture of what I'm about, see for yourself whether, whether or not I've done anything wrong, and then guide me on the road to eternal life. If we want to digest this, we've got to break this prayer down a little bit. Uh, we can break it into four parts. Um, if you're a note taker and you want to take down the first part of this prayer, it is search my heart. Search my heart. Search me, God, and know my heart. For some of you, you might look at that and say, now why would we ask God to search our heart? He already knows our heart, right? He already knows our heart. Um, and anyways, I've got a good heart. So why would I say, you know, all of, right? Everybody in this room has a good heart. No, you don't. My heart is not good. So I'll say, no, I don't, but I'm, 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 I'm betting. Some other people don't have, my heart became good when I allowed Jesus to take over it. I had to have him. The bad news is this is not Oprah. Like there's not something under your seat. You're not getting, you're not getting things for free. Um, and so the kind of things I hear, you know, on, you know, in different places, Oprah, I don't want to pick on her, but things that are said are, you've got a good heart. You've got a good heart. I've got a good heart. Everyone's got a good heart. There's a good heart under your seat if you don't have one. Without, without Christ, I don't have a good heart. I just don't have a good heart. Um, Jeremiah chapter 17, it says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Who really knows how bad it is? Without Christ, our heart is not a good heart. We deceive others. Um, we try to come up with half-truths to say that we're not a liar, but we know what we're doing. We judge people in our heads, we gossip, just all these things. We lie to ourselves all the time, right? We lie to ourselves. I don't need much to be happy. I, I'm, I'm a simple person. I, that's a lie sometimes. I'm only gonna have one drink, right? I'm not prideful, it's not my fault that I'm, you know, I'm smarter than most other people. I don't lust, I just appreciate the fine physique of some of God's creations. I'm not a gossiper, I'm just telling people so that they can pray for the, the, one, the other people I'm talking about who are bad. The, I mean, the heart is just deceitful. Above all things, it takes a dangerous, scary prayer for us to go before God and invite him into that dirty heart to reveal the stuff that's in there. Search me, God, and know my heart. 
One of the things that God has said to me before is, you're faking it. I know it and you know it. Number two, second way that we can break down this scary prayer of search me, God. Number two, reveal my fears. Reveal my fears. Search me, God, and know my heart. Then he says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. What is it that makes you afraid? What is it that makes you anxious? What is it that makes you scared? It's not snakes or spiders or, um, you know, the, the guy behind the shower curtain that's not ever actually there, but you're sure that he's going to be there this next time you open it. He's either in there or he's out, and you're ready to punch no matter what. You rip it up. Never mind. Not that guy either. Not, he's not your biggest fear. What is it that you're truly afraid of? Uh, for a lot of people, it's losing your job. It's not getting married by such and such age. It's not having kids by that time. It's what if, how come we can't get pregnant? It's you're afraid of death. You're afraid of being stuck in a marriage that's not getting any better. You're afraid of losing someone you love. You're afraid of some of these big things. You're afraid that you will never uh, meet your potential. You're afraid that, um, that you're always going to be boring. You're afraid that just so many things that can't, just things that give us anxiety. What good is it for God to know or reveal these anxious thoughts that we have? The good thing about him doing that is that what we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. So whatever you fear the most, I'm afraid I'm going to run out of money. That's the place that you, that you don't trust God with your money. If your greatest fear is, I'm afraid that someone, I'm afraid I'm going to die, then you have not come to grips yet with the reality of what eternity means. That if you give yourself over, if you give your life to Jesus, that we don't have to fear death anymore. The Bible says we face death all day long. We don't have to worry about that because to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so if I'm scared to death that my marriage isn't going to work, then I'm not trusting God to do something in my marriage. And so maybe I've given up on even trying. If God's not going to fix it without me doing something, what good is it me trying? You know, sometimes God is waiting on you to do the things that you're waiting on God to do. He's waiting on you to do that thing. If you're praying in the morning, Lord, just help me. I, I remember a story about a nun who woke up, and every day she prayed about every step of her process. Lord, help me to wake up and put my feet on the ground. Puts her feet on the ground. Lord, help me to get dressed. Get dressed. Lord, help me to, and it's just one after another. Sometimes God is waiting on you to do what you're waiting on him to do. Like, did he really help you put your pants on? Probably not. If I'm anxious, I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. I'm not trusting that God is my provider. If I'm constantly worried about my kids' safety, I'm not trusting my children over to him and recognizing that the Father of Heaven is more than 
mom and dad combined could be. Search me, God, and know my heart. Prayed it. It is dangerous. Sometimes it's painful. Uh, God showed me something that one of the things that I feared the most is not something that I'm proud of, honestly. Um, but for a long time, I was deathly afraid of failing, just of failing, failing people, failing at my job, failing um, with my marriage, failing with my kids, um, just everything. And that even if I succeeded, it was often because I was driven so hard by the fear of failing. And so I recognized what that fear was and that it was not just the fear of failing, but it's actually the fear of letting people down. And so you become a people pleaser. You begin to do all sorts of different things, not caring for yourself as long as you can not let other people down. It was basically the realization, praying, search me, God, and him revealing that I had this massive fear of just being inadequate in some way. Not being enough, not being good enough, not being righteous enough, not being wise enough, not being whatever enough. This was a huge fear of mine. I say it was a huge fear of mine because um, it's one of those things that God has changed. It's one of those things that God has changed. And when I stand up here and say, thank you, God, for the work that you've done, that's a piece of the work that he's done for me. Thanks. I know. It still creeps in sometimes, for sure, but that's not the thing that's looping in my head anymore. A lot of times that fear would keep me from being obedient. God would ask me to do certain things, but I would have to weigh it against, well, are people going to like that? That's a bad spot to be in. Being obedient to him is way more important than not failing. To say, God, test me, know my anxious thoughts. And so what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm quoting scripture to renew my mind and remembering that the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so I double-dog dare you. I double-dog dare you to pray this prayer. Search my heart, O God. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. What does what you fear matter in the midst of this? What you fear most, again, reveals where you trust God the least. But also, this is the way that you can get to the root of what Jesus probably wants to do in your life. You can get to the root of it. Um, one of the things that we do um, here is called Sozo Ministry. The Sozo Ministry is a deeper prayer and counseling kind of hybrid where you have to schedule an appointment to do it in a team of trained Sozo prayer team people uh, who have gone through extensive training because this is kind of an area where you can start to get, um, it, it, it can get scary. Because sometimes 
there's a, a root of trauma. Sometimes there's a root of just hard, hard things to deal with. But what they do in Sozo is they interview the person, they pray, they pray and they invite God to speak the truth to them about that issue, whatever they're struggling with. God, that you would speak the truth to them. And it happens all the time, and they end up getting to the root of whatever the issue is, and then they pray about the root and getting rid of that, and people are freed from things that they've, they, they've been trapped by for years. The third is uncover my sins. Uncover my sins. See if there's any offensive way in me. It says, have you ever noticed that it's really hard to see your own sins in the mirror? It's way easier to see other people. Way easier to see other people. So one of the things that I had to recognize at some point was when I was getting mad at church-related things or maybe having a cold shoulder towards certain people or being super upset if, um, say, uh, uh, somebody leaves or a family leaves, um, the thing that would pop into my head is, oh, you're just be they're just being selfish anyways. What are they really doing for Vineyard Westside? What are they doing for Vineyard Westside? And it was really just being defensive, being hurt. It's way easier to see everybody else's sin, not recognize when I was doing it. Sometimes we accuse others and we do the exact same thing ourselves, but we excuse ourselves, right? We let ourselves off the hook. We say, we just justify that. Like, well, I had to do it. I, I mean, I had to do it. This is how I get through. It's not that big of a deal. It's none of your business. Judge not lest, lest ye be judged. Only non-believers quote that to me, by the way. <laughs> Judge not lest ye be judged. Here's a way to find out if you have sins that um, you can't find yourself, sins that are going on that are tough for you to uh, own up to. What I would say is answer the questions, what have others been trying to tell me? Have you had other people tell you something like two or three of them said the same thing and you're like, they're all crazy. Not if there's two or three of them probably. If there's one, might be crazy. If it's Two or three people saying the same thing. You know, what are others trying to tell me that I need to look at? My drinking, my, uh, you know, my being promiscuous, my whatever it is. Another question to ask is, what have I rationalized for some time? Like, what have I said, well, I, it's, not, it's not that big of a deal. I have to do that because... Like, if other people were to do that, yeah, they would be bad. But I have to do this because I have to take these pain pills because my back always hurts. Um, I've been halfway addicted to pain pills before. Um, I've had a lot of different accidents over the years. I'm to the point now where I refuse pain medicine because I'm not safe with it. Um, and so one thing that I can tell you is if you're on medicine for chronic pain, the pain will never go away until you get rid of the medicine. Like the pain pills, it'll never go away. Some of you, I know you have certain things that it can't go away. But what happens with that is you end up becoming more and more sensitive to everything. The bottoms of your feet will hurt. 
everything, everything hurts. And so we'll say, I, 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 have to, I have to take these. I have to try to go to a different doctor and see if I can trick them into giving me a prescription. I have to kind of things. Another question to ask to uncover your sins, where am I most defensive? Where am I most defensive? If there's something that, if anybody brings it up and you flip out, probably, a, probably an area to dig into. The fourth on how to actually search your heart. The fourth step is lead me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. One of the things that I received um, a few years ago when I prayed deeply into this, this scary prayer, search me. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Reveal it to me. Because I was just struggling with some different things. Uh, uh, I was struggling with, um, we went through a, a period where multiple people had left our church. And uh, for various reasons, a lot of them very good reasons. They're moving out of state or, or whatever. But I was having a hard time celebrating any of them and just super down about it. And I wanted to get to that place where I could wish them well. I wanted to get to that place where I could, if somebody's leaving, I could bless them and pray for them and truly wish them well. But I had to, I had to find that, that thing that was the root, that was the issue. And I prayed, search me, O oh God, and know my heart. And the root that he revealed to me is this this phrase that was deep in my head that you are not wanted. You are not wanted. This phrase came to be, I'm even just thinking about from the very beginning and remembering that thought always growing up, you are not wanted. And then finding out later more of the story that when I was born, I was in between two abortions. That there was an abortion here, then, they didn't have the money, and I was born, and another abortion after that. And so it was revealed to me that I dodged a bullet. I dodged a bullet, but it was that piece of the puzzle that fit in with, you're not wanted. That, you know, these people, they left the church, but if you would have been better, they wouldn't have. But they didn't want you. And so that thought, that's not true, but that thought keeps coming in, keeps coming in. I had to have that, that painful root revealed by asking God to search me because it was another one of those things that he was able to heal. That he said, you were born in between two abortions and you think you weren't wanted? And so it can, be, it can be painful, it can be scary, it can be... And I don't mean just walk outside and go, search me, God. I mean, like, do you want him to search you? Pray it in the mirror and stare at your face. 
Pray it uh, outside. Get yourself somewhere where you can sit next to a tree. Pray it on a nature walk somewhere. You go on a hike just by yourself and pray it. Search me, O God. Reveal my heart. Get near water. One of the things that I've done at one point, any time I go and I make an effort to hear from God, I hear from him. When I'm going for months, like I, I just haven't heard from God. Anytime I actually make an effort and I go and I seek him, he speaks to me every time. One of those times was laying down in a creek and getting my head in the water just enough to where my ears were covered. It was one of the greatest times of prayer I've ever had. Jesus tells you when you have parsley in your teeth. When you say, search me, O God, he takes a look up and down and he says, you got stuff in your teeth. And that's a good friend. Let's pray. God, I just pray that you would help more of us in this room get to that that place of importance, seriousness, um, where we are actively taking a step of faith. A lot of us want to grow in our faith, but we've just been waiting for it to happen. I just pray that you would help us to know that you're, you're there waiting and ready whenever we want to meet with you. That you haven't been missing at all. We've been the ones who are running around and ignoring you. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to ask the heavy question. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Reveal in me any offensive ways. Who am I? What do you want to reveal to me? What do you want to show me? What have I been hiding from? What am I lying to myself about? And so, Lord, we just say, come Holy Spirit. I thank you for the work that you've done in my life, and I look forward to uh, more of it. Just as you reveal these things, there's always something. Thank you for making our hearts good, Jesus. We praise you in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Oh, thank you. Hey, I hope to see you all soon. Have a good week. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.